Welcome to Tax Bites for Expats, the top tax tips you want to know as an expat. The podcast is here to help answer the common queries and concerns expats have when moving to or from Ireland. Complex taxes explained simply. We'll focus on the Irish and international tax issues to be aware of to ensure you save time, money and stress. Hi, my name is Stephanie Wickham from expattaxes.ie. You're listening to the Tax Bites for Expats podcast, the show that explains the do's and don'ts of income taxes for people who are moving to or from Ireland. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. Um, Thanks for joining us. I hope you're all having a good week so far. We've decided this episode to digress from tax um, in the main and kind of speak to some of our existing clients who have made a move to Ireland in recent years. And I suppose the reason for wanting to do this is that one of the things we find when we speak with clients is they're planning a move to Ireland and they have lots of questions. You know, we help them with the tax questions, but they have questions aside. And Generally, I find when I speak with people, there's there's a level of apprehension and anxiety when they're initiating a move to Ireland, which is to be expected completely. Um, and sometimes, you know, that could be alleviated when you hear the story of people who have gone before you and the situations that they've encountered, you know, the challenges that they've maybe overcome. And then I suppose also the good experiences that they've had, you know, when they can tell the story of having settled in and, and navigated their way through that new phase in a new country. So with that in mind, we asked two of our existing clients, um, Virginia Giglio and Neil Dunnigan, to speak with us today. And we're really grateful that they've given us some of their time to come on and have a chat. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) So uh, maybe to kind of set the scene, um, if Virginia, do you want to tell us some of the story as to how yourself and Neil ended up here? Why Ireland? What brought you here? How long you've been here for? Just so we can get a bit of context. Well, thanks to Neil's grandmother, who was born in Ireland, Neil was able to um, become a citizen of Ireland, even while living in the United States. And when we retired, we... um, had a desire to become hospital chaplains and we discovered that we could do our training here in Ireland. So we thought we would move here for at least long enough to do our training and see what it was like and then um, find out if we wanted to retire here permanently. Wow, perfect. And whereabouts in the States had you come from, Virginia? Where had you lived before? We had been living in Oklahoma. Wow, okay. Yeah, so slight difference in weather <laughs> here. <Yes. laughs> a difference in weather, lots of differences that we didn't realize that were going to be here until we encountered them. Now, difference is not always bad. Sometimes difference is fantastic. Mm. I'd like to tell a, uh, an example. Oh, yeah, please do. Um, of a difference. We knew we wanted to buy a small car. And we knew the brand and we knew um, we had, I did a little research to find a a reputable dealership for uh, the car that we wanted. Mm -hmm. And I called them long distance from the United States and purchased the car uh, long distance. 
we actually had the car so that it was ready for us to be, take delivery when we arrived here. But the thing that's so great is that I told the gentleman that we had uh, a certain amount as a budget for a, a used car, mm-hmm. and he came back to me with a car that was 2,000 euro less oh. than my budget. Now, in the United States, that would never have happened. (laughs) In fact, I told him a little a little less than our true budget, because that's how we're used to dealing in the United States. But he he came back with something even less. So we got a really good deal. And we realized we were dealing with honest people and we had we've only dealt with these people for service and so forth. We've been very satisfied. So that's, okay, that's really interesting. So coming from the States to Ireland, has that been your experience across the board? So I suppose, and maybe it, the, the timing is not necessarily, uh, it's, it's, things are different now. So what I mean there is, if a lot of people are moving, or we have a lot of people moving to Ireland from overseas currently, and they're encountering issues with, for example, sourcing somewhere to live. Um, you know, I'm really glad to hear you found that people here generally were quite helpful and honest. But when at the time you moved, was there issues, uh, shortages in finding somewhere to live? Obviously, you got here, you had a car. But what was your situation like when you actually got on the ground? So we had done, this is Neil, we had done some of our planning in advance. And we had heard about some of the cautions. So, for instance, at that time, uh, there were a few scams going on where people would uh, uh, list flats for rental and you show up and it turns out it's not the real owner and they're collecting a deposit from, you know, perhaps five different prospects and then moving on. So we had heard about some of those things. Uh, When we were looking for our apartment, what we uh, had the advantage of having a little bit of inside help and why that was helpful, for instance, you could look at some of these wonderful apps or websites like Daft, which list practically every property that's available for rental. But then you, we had a pet, we had a cat. Right. What were we going to do? Mm. And we found, uh, for the most part, all of the listings said no pets. And I'm trying to reconcile this with the fact that when I was visiting here, almost everybody had a pet. So how does this work out? So one thing we, we did for uh, finding a place that helped is we had a local person helping us. Uh, Virginia, that's right. We had a local person who we connected to through our chaplaincy education. We had a local auctioneer who who checked out mm-hmm. the auctioneer who was the um, manager for the realty property and found out that this was a legitimate person. So that was very helpful to have someone you, you know who's, who's disinterested check out the other person for honesty. And then, um, oh, by the way, the word auctioneer is new to us. In the United States, we say realtor. Okay. Here in uh, mm-hmm. Ireland, it's auctioneer. And the other thing we find that sometimes clients, particularly from the US, tell us is that, you know, in the US, there seems to be a market for people who are selling their house and a market for people who are buying. And there's two distinct groups who tend to cater for them so what i mean there is buying agents we don't really have this concept 
in that's right in Ireland. So you no know, one is on your side when you are buying. No, they're not. Except your attorney. <laughs> yes. Which we would recommend. <laughs> you think it's really good to get? Well, it's all. I think I I definitely think it's good to locate an attorney uh, as soon as you can, mm. and uh, someone convenient and someone well reputed. Um, we chose someone who had sponsor was one of the sponsors of our local local um, uh, village festival. Well, that's how we first came in contact with her is that she she was a sponsor of the village festival. And we thought, well, then she's reputed. She's known locally. Mm -hmm. She's uh, highly regarded. And so that's how we started. And then we found out there were other connections that that um, that underscored our our choice. So, uh, yeah, we found the attorney and the attorney, as soon as we made an offer on the house, we turned it over to the attorney and she ensured that the, uh, the the place didn't go up and up and up because we did eventually buy a house and we you need an attorney there. Yes. And Virginia, what was your experience in terms of, I'm assuming you, you own property in the US before you came here. What differences do you see between buying a house in Ireland versus buying a house in the US? So I think the, the greatest difference we'd see is that in the US, uh, people are quite comfortable and it's easier to get mortgages and the financial aspect of refinancing a house or financing a house goes much quicker than here in Ireland. So uh, currently in Ireland, uh, if you make a cash offer on a house, things will tend to go very smoothly and rapidly. But if you are looking to finance, that can involve a uh, very long period of time mm. to get the closing. And I think that would be something that uh, someone from the U.S. would not be anticipating and might be a little bit surprised at. Yeah. And they need to check, uh, compare their age to the age that um, is allowed to get mortgages. They don't give mortgages to people over 65 is my understanding. Yeah, the majority. So check that out. Mm -hmm. Check that out. And it's funny, you know, some of the things you're saying there, preparation is key, you know, sussing out the situation on the ground in terms of like other logistical things you know um, maybe it's a few years since that you had to do it but how did you find opening a bank account what was that process like because this is something that tends to come up as, as an area of frustration sometimes for clients <laughs> I, I could see why there there are a number of exercises here in Ireland which appear to have a chicken and an egg aspect to them yes. uh, you can't you can't get one without the other you see <laughs> Yeah. Now, now we were very fortunate because at the time we were considering the move, the Bank of Ireland was uh, had a promotion going on, which was moving to Ireland. So they had the ability for us to open a Bank of Ireland account while we were still residing in the U.S. with the intention of moving over. Now, I don't know if that particular promotion is still uh, available, uh, but I would strongly suggest that people look at that and see if there are any options currently available to start their Irish bank account uh, while they are still in the U.S. And that will smooth the transition quite a bit. And if you can put both, if you are married, uh, put both names on that bank account and see if you can't get, uh, because when you start getting letters, you'll need to start saving some of those letters that have both names and your address on them 
for other projects that come along all, uh, along the line. Mm, yeah, verifying your ID, for, yeah. for example. Yes. And I think related to that in general, uh, if people have been living all their life in the U.S., and, and they have a reasonably good history of all sorts, right? So you may have good credit history. You might have a good driving record. You might have a good uh, health and medical record. When you come to Ireland, n- none of those records are truly accessible by the systems here. Mm. So uh, getting insurance uh, for your automobile, getting health insurance, uh, getting a credit card, these it will all be as if you were starting over because the computers, the research computers here in Ireland don't seem to reach across the Atlantic to the U.S. to find out how nice you were in the past. Yes. Uh, so, you know, you will be when you get insurance, you'll be treated as a brand new driver, you know, when you get, uh, um, you know, so all of that will happen over again when you're here. So it's just something to, again, be alert for. Don't uh, destroy your U.S. credit cards. Bring those over. You may be using them for a while until you can get uh, established here and get your own here. That's really good advice. Really good advice. And I suppose day-to-day living, you know, how does it compare? Was there a shock, you know, when you went to the supermarket and you couldn't get things that you were used to or things that you miss from home? You know, from a day-to-day living perspective, what was it like settling in at the start? I was surprised. It seemed to me that food was cheaper here, which was a, which was a nice surprise. It also surprised me that people uh, people actually eat at home with plates and forks. <laughs> I was walking through our apartment. We lived in an apartment for a year, and then we moved into a house. While we were in the apartment complex, we'd take little walks in the evening through the apartment complex, and I heard this very wonderful sound of plates and forks, forks hitting plates while people were having dinner together. And this is something, you know, in, in the United States, it's become dinner out of sacks and not and dinner at different times from each other. And I thought it was remarkable that we would pass one apartment with the windows open after another, with the plates and forks. That's really uh, making, nice. Yeah. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. And then how that that is connected to the grocery store, there are fewer convenience foods here. Mm-hmm. You make things from scratch. Mm-hmm. When you have mashed potatoes, you have mashed potatoes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's a national dish, yes. <laughs> and definitely yes, not from yes and, and you will be having mashed potatoes <laughs> with everything, as well as as uh, chips. <laughs> yes, chips on the side. Chips but, always on the side. So we sometimes as well then, you know, and I, I see this coming up maybe more just from certain Facebook groups and things like that. People will say things like, should I bring my furniture with me? Should I bring my appliances? You know, I don't know what your personal situation was. Did you bring your personal effects or did you buy when you got here? We only had 20 cubic meters of, um, we had a, one big shipping box. Right, okay, 20 cubic and meters. And the rest box. of everything else we auctioned in the United States. Wow. We we really um, we brought over musical instruments, art, and uh, clothing, and things that meant a lot to us. But we got we jettisoned everything else. 
because we found that it's easier to to purchase here. And, and certainly anything, you know, you talk about uh, kitchen appliances, anything with a motor that is designed for the U.S. will probably not work here. So your electric carving knife, your blenders, your uh, uh, kitchen kitchen devices that are electronic, if they have a motor in them, uh, they probably won't work on the current here. So it'd be uh, better to buy the buy replacements when you get here. Okay, that's good tip and. I will probably just add to that that, you know, we do have, <clears throat> like many countries now, um, you know, adverts.ie, um, you mentioned Daft for property, uh, Dundee is another one. These are all, um, you know, local sites where you can you can buy secondhand sometimes, which can tide you over in the interim yes. period while you get settled. Um, okay, brilliant. So on a day-to-day basis then... Do you see yourselves returning? What What is it you like about Ireland or don't like? And obviously this is a personal thing, but um, yeah, what what would you say to somebody in your shoes or what would you say to yourselves if you could go back in time? Would you would you make the move? <laughs> yes. You would. <laughs> yes, and we'd stay here. We're, we're, we're very happy here. We're very happy here. There's a couple of things we would do over differently. Um, one thing, we would find an accountant in Ireland who dealt with U.S. and Irish taxes and who could explain it to us properly. Mm. We thought we were getting that kind of advice before we left America, but the person turned out not to know anything. And we didn't know that they didn't know. They were CPAs. We we thought they knew things, Mm. but they did not know. So I um, would strongly urge people to use your business. We've been completely happy. Oh, I, won't, yeah. I won't harp on that, but, <laughs> but um, it, it would have saved us a lot of money mm-hmm. if we had done that. Second, I'd like to say, um, before we leave the helpful hints, don't put off getting your driver's license. Okay. Go, go ahead and get your driver's license as soon as you can. Um, it's a, a process that's long and it is tedious, and you do have to take driver's lessons no matter what, and they are beneficial because driving here is different than in the United States. Did you have to reset a test? Yes, we did. We had to take driver's lessons and reset several tests. Wow, okay. I wasn't entirely clear that that had to happen in every situation. Okay, interesting. Right, so the, so the U.S. is a little different than EU countries where it's possible to transfer a license. For the U.S., you have to go back through the testing process again. You, your requirement for um, uh, driver lessons is halved than a beginner driver in Ireland. But the way I would tell people is this. If you were a professional athlete, uh, you would have coaches and trainers. Just because you're very good at your sport doesn't mean you don't have people telling you how to do it better. And uh, driving here in Ireland, as opposed to the U.S., is a different style of driving. It's a different way of thinking about the road. And that is why you benefit immediately from the coaching of your driver teacher. That's such a good point. And, you know, I've driven, actually, I haven't driven in the States. I've been a passenger in a car in the States. But where we were was, you know, highways and large open roads and, not many roundabouts at all, if any, that I can think of. And here, you know, especially where you guys are living, um, you're probably more 
backcountry roads and you know national routes as opposed to motorways so yeah completely different so that's really uh, a really good point did it take long then for you guys to actually get irish driver's licenses and could you drive on your u.s licenses in the meantime you can drive on your u.s license for one year and then they expect you to to move on to your irish driver's license so don't don't put it off Mm. um yeah, uh, it's easy to put it off because you know I've got a year and that year flies by. Yeah. But do put it on the front burner from the time you get here. And a, and a good way to remind yourself to do that is when you go to get your PPSN mm-hmm. number, mm-hmm. they will ask you, why are you getting a PPSN number? And it is a good thing to have in your hand the downloadable application for a driver's license. Right. To say to them, I am applying for a driver's license. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they have there's something that they have to do to that application for you there. And um, uh, so be sure to print that out and take it with you to get your PPSN. Your driver's license application is the first step, for, which is downloadable. Yeah. And anyone, anyone in the U.S. who's listening to this podcast, the PPSN is somewhat the equivalent of your social security number in the U.S. So it's a very important number to have. And the irony is that you would think by virtue of the fact that you're living here, you would get one. But you actually need an explicit reason in addition to living here. And they will ask you. And the, and the answer they are looking for, and they will coach you to, to give this answer because it's easiest to tick this box for them, is I want a driver's license. Yes, Yes, that that is it. Seems to be the experience across the board. Is that <laughs> we have clients who sometimes need a PPS for tax reasons, but they tend to find that it's quicker and easier if they also need to get one for a driver's license. So right, very uh, yeah. It's interesting you say that. Um, this is all so useful for people listening. Um, you know, in terms of what you both love about Ireland most and this is a personal thing I'm interested to hear because I suppose from my perspective I mean it's not that long since Paddy's day and there is an international view I suppose of what Ireland's like you know it's it's throughout the world we have so many people living across the states who have connections with Ireland but what what surprised you and what do you both love most I probably ask you both individually what surprised you Virginia and what do you love most about Ireland what do I, I'll start with what I love most. I love to play music. I'm a flute player and a singer and a piccolo player. And I joined a small orchestra as soon as I got here. In fact, I connected with it before I got here by kind of an accidental method. <laughs> but um, I actually came and got involved with a group of people all interested in the same thing. And we all became friends right away. And I actually had activities, markets and things like that to go play for that really acquainted me with Ireland and the way people live here. And so I would say, um, I guess I was surprised at how music could be a, a means for me to really become settled here uh, comfortable here in the country wow and then you know i think that's it's something i would take from that and i think would be f- interesting for other people listening is 
you know, I've lived abroad and it can be difficult when you move to a new country to feel like you're part of it. And it can be difficult to make friends, um, especially if, you know, there's circles of people around you who've known each other for years. And uh, so that's a really good tip. You know, if you have a hobby, take it up. And especially if it's a musical one, Ireland, Irish people generally are music lovers. So that's really, really interesting. And Neil, what about you? I, I would say the surprise for me was how cosmopolitan uh, Ireland is, uh, you know, particularly the major cities of uh, Dublin and Cork and, and, and the other cities as well. Uh, I, I'll often go out in, in the course of the day. Half the people I run into are from somewhere other than Ireland originally. And it's it's really quite a thing. And it, it kind of reflects back to Irish tradition. You know, if we from the U.S., someone being Irish and we think that that's one thing. But, you know, historically, there were the there were the Picts, there were the Celtic people. There were the Danes, there were the Vikings, there were, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of people made up what we think of as being Ireland. And the same is going on today in the larger cities. And uh, I think that's remarkable. And uh, it goes the other way as well, where Irish people have gone around the world. So it's a really much more international and sophisticated uh, population than I think uh, might be in people's imagination. Ooh, and the food, <laughs> the food here. <laughs> is fantastic especially in cork where we live it is a foodie city and it is we're so full of all kinds of different foods and we we have a place we found a place it is our place that we like to go for brunch and it is like our place and we recommend you find a local a local pub that's your place mm. so that you can get to know people and become a face that everyone knows yeah that's really really it's really it's really i'd say you know we touched on a number of things but a a theme that runs through everything we're saying is your social network start your social network before you get here cultivate it and continue to grow it after you get here and you'll have a wonderful time that's really really nice and neil then what's your favorite thing or what, what what do you like most about ireland I find what I like most is uh, people are so accepting that uh, there's a number of activities I've uh, been doing here, uh, some of the music ones with Virginia, but also some uh, uh, community activities where we're providing social services and such. And people have just been uh, so welcoming uh, to let me uh, join in and participate and be part of the helping in the experience. So it's a very welcoming and warm community. Oh, tell them about Irish and the fiddle. Oh, yes. So when I got here, right, I decided that I was going to do something to catch up on my many years that I was not in Ireland. So I would either learn to speak Irish or learn to play the fiddle. I chose the fiddle. I think it was the easier of the two. I think so, too. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a shame we didn't know that. We would have asked you to play as a tune. (laughs) We'll have to do another one. (laughs) I, I... you know, when we work with clients, we get to know people, um, but I rarely get to hear people's story as in-depth as you've told it. And thank you so much, because I know there will be people listening to this and you will have put their their minds at ease that they're, you know, they're making a move that 
well, is that a promise? You know, there is challenges. It's not always easy, but you've really given some really good practical advice there. And I know it comes from a place where you've lived it. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> yeah. advice is given by people who've been through it. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And actually, if I can just give a plug for Virginia, Virginia is a very talented artist. Um, I know she is producing some artwork. Um, so if anyone has any questions about that, feel free to drop us a note, info at expattaxes.ie. And I'm sure Virginia's happy. We'll share her contact details. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tax Bites for Expats. Please do leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, remember to take professional tax advice specific to your personal circumstances before acting or refraining from action in connection with the matters dealt with in this series. The material in this podcast is intended to give general guidance only.